0: Hello and uh, welcome to another DAC Beechcroft Lawcast session. I'm Nikki Fairbairn. I'm a partner in the commercial real estate team. And unlike the previous podcasts that we've done in this series, I'm in fact joined by two colleagues today. I have George, who's a senior associate in the real estate litigation team. And I have Alex Archiehovska, who is a solicitor in the commercial real estate team. And it's in fact Alex who's going to kindly take on my role of interviewer this time, which means you have to listen to me a little
1: less this time, which is good news. Uh, Alex, do you want to quickly summarize what we're going to be talking about? Yes, hello everyone. Uh, Lease renewals under the Landlord and Tenant Act 1954. And more specifically, we'll be talking about unopposed lease renewals where the parties agreed that a new lease of business premises should be granted. We spend a lot of time advising clients on a lease renewal whether it's landlords or tenants. So we're going to spend some time looking at the current position around some of the terms to be included in a lease when it's renewed under the Act.
0: Thanks, Alex. Now, I know from experience that a number of the queries on lease renewals um, that we see Um, Well they're currently as a result of quite a few new arrangements that have come through to deal with green lease provisions uh, and that's all as a result of the UK government's net zero by 2050 policy, all the regulations that followed that, the the minimum energy efficiency standards. So we'll look at that in a little bit more detail today, generally just as well as what provisions landlords are looking to include when it comes to lease modernisation on a renewal arrangement. I think that's right isn't it Alex?
1: Uh, Yes, we will look at various terms and whether they are acceptable or not acceptable lease modernizations. Uh, In addition to your transactional experience, Nikki, having George here as litigator should hopefully attempt to throw light on the court's reasoning in determining whether the new provision should be included or not. So let's get right to it. For the benefit of our listeners, George, could you please briefly set out when is the lease renewal under the 1954 Act relevant?
2: Thanks, Alex. Yes, it's applicable to commercial leases which aren't contracted out of the 1954 Act. So under part two of that Act, a tenant that occupies premises for the purposes of its business has security of tenure. And what that means is that it can continue to remain in occupation after the contractual term of the lease comes to an end and the tenants entitled to a new lease. Um, so in terms of the renewal process that's commenced by either the tenant serving a section 26 request or uh, on the landlord's side if they serve a section 25 notice which sets out proposed renewal terms um, and the terms set out in either the section 25 notice or the section 26 request, they're for negotiation purposes only, they aren't binding on the parties.
1: Thank you George. So. If the parties agree that a renewal lease is to be put in place, is it the case that the terms are often agreed without much dispute?
2: Sadly not. Um, No, there are often disputes, even where the parties are in agreement, that a lease renewal is to be granted.
1: A natural question for Niki is when and why the disputes usually arise? And then, George, how are these disputes resolved?
0: so if i start in that case i think the the basic lease renewal position is that the the current lease arrangements should really just continue so usually any attempt to to move away from or deviate from those terms does have the potential just to cause a dispute unfortunately it's it's most likely to be on matters um, such as repair for example uh, particularly when you're dealing with a building which is ageing and perhaps not quite as fit for purpose as it was when when the current lease was was granted, for example. But that can extend into um, service charge provisions, whether those are fit for purpose and particularly in the modern property market that we now operate. We're also perhaps seeing um, potential dispute around provisions for alienation, um, particularly as tenants become more sophisticated and complex corporate occupiers or, or landlords have more stringent uh, requirements. There's there's generally a sort of nervousness out there about uh, group sharing arrangements or authorised guarantee requirements. F- the honest answer, Alex, is every property, every lease, and and every landlord and tenant arrangement is going to be slightly different and potentially lead to to disputes at different points.
1: Thank you. And back to George about um, what is the position when it's necessary to issue court proceedings.
2: Yes. So unless the parties agree all of the terms, then what usually happens is that court proceedings have to be issued. And what that achieves is it puts a timetable in place to an eventual trial. And at that trial, a judge will decide on which terms are to be included in the renewal lease. Um, So just as a quick uh, pointer, the court's general approach to determining those lease terms was set out in a case from back in 1983. Um, it's the O'May case, and that set out um, a few gu- guidelines that I'm just going to go through. The starting point is the terms of the current tenancy. The burden of persuading the court to change the terms of that tenancy sits with the party proposing the change. And then finally, that change must be fair and reasonable in all of the circumstances.
1: Thank you. Uh, what are the most commonly disputed terms that you come across um, in your practice and be able to provide us some examples of course the recent determinations on these?
2: Yes, sure. We've seen a number of landlords um, in the recent past looking to include redevelopment break clauses in renewal leases. The courts have made it clear on a number of occasions um, that it's not the policy of the Act for the tenant's rights under the new lease to inhibit reconstruction and redevelopment of commercial property. That's the landlord's right. Um, If the landlord can persuade the court that there's a real possibility that redevelopment will take place during the term of the new lease, then the court's likely to include a redevelopment break clause. The landlord doesn't have to go so far to show that the redevelopment is imminent, although its case is likely to be much stronger if it can make that point. Uh, what the court will try to do is strike a fair balance between allowing the landlord to utilise and redevelop its premises, but also to give the tenant a reasonable amount of security of tenure. Uh, one recent case uh, within the last year or so, uh, b and Retail and HSBC Pension Trust addressed that question. Um, And In in this case, the court said or or looked into whether a redevelopment break clause should be included um, and if so, how far into the term of the new lease should it be exercisable? Uh, Here, the landlord had previously entered into an agreement for lease with a third-party tenant, Aldi. Um, That agreement for lease was conditional on the landlord obtaining vacant possession and satisfaction of a planning condition Um, and it had a usual conditions that if it wasn't satisfied by a long stop date in February 25, either party would be entitled to walk away. The issue here arose as um, due to an administrative issue, the landlord failed to serve counter notice in response to the Section 26 request that BNM had served. So as a result, the tenant was entitled to renewal lease. The landlord couldn't oppose um, the tenant proposed a ten-year term, and the landlord eighteen months. So we can see uh, there was a big difference in opinion there. The landlord also asked for a redevelopment break clause, which was exercisable on a six months' notice. Um, terms were not agreed, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, and the matter proceeded to court. The The case hinged, therefore, on whether there was a real possibility that the landlord would be successful in obtaining planning permission in respect of their proposed redevelopment. Whilst the court accepted that the consequences of a break clause would act harshly on the tenant because they would inevitably suffer some loss as a result of that decision, the court didn't find that that was an overriding consideration. Their conclusion was that it was appropriate to include a landlord's redevelopment break clause in the new lease. The court held that the break should be immediately operable on six months' notice, which would give the landlord every chance to achieve redevelopment aims.
1: Thank you, George, for getting into the breakdown of the court's reasoning here. I think it's a um lesson um, for the landlord and tenant on redevelopment break clauses is something to be aware of as to what type of building you're occupying as a tenant. Um, Nikki, um, we've also seen the attempt by the tenants to include the pandemic rent suspension clauses. Uh, So the provision stating that if the government or other appropriate authority orders the tenant to close due to pandemic such as COVID-19, then 50% of the rent under the lease will be suspended until the premises can be reopened for trade following the end of such measure. This is obviously something that is not included in the vast majority of previous leases before the pandemic hit, but tenants are now looking for greater protection on lease renewal. So, in your experience, do the landlords oppose it or accept it, and if so, to what extent?
0: Uh, yeah, you're right, Alex. I mean, it's it's obviously much more commonplace now. Uh, pandemic clauses are much more frequent. Uh, what they very much do, though, is sit alongside the government guidance on whether premises should be open and trading or, or not. Um, now, no landlord will obviously want to be exposed to a tenant personally choosing to close and trying to rely on on those pandemic provisions. But I think you know we're all very sympathetic to the experiences that we've just lived through and and perhaps the concern is that it can happen again so understandably some of our current lease, uh, lease negotiations we are we are referring to suspension of rent happening Um the key is that it's linked to um, effectively approvals by competent authorities so it's somebody in an official capacity who deals with the control of pandemic or epidemic or, or contagious disease is effectively making it unlawful for those premises to be open or, or to trade, or alternatively imposing an obligation on the landlord so that it can't allow access to those premises. Um, now, you do need to think about how those provisions might have a knock-on effect, really, because they can interface with insurance cover, um, You know whether rent payments are picked up uh, by insurance cover, for example, during any period that uh, the 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 suspension applies or for example what happens to rent-free periods that would have otherwise happened during that suspension time as well and whether they're effectively tacked on at the end perhaps. So having said that these kind of clauses they are much more common Um, I'm still seeing them feature perhaps more in arrangements which are personal to the current tenant uh, who's a you know a well-known entity a a good payer Um, perhaps they're not offered as a starting point on every new negotiation, but they they certainly are more common practice, particularly in sectors which have been badly affected by these kind of pandemic issues recently.
1: Thank you, Nikki. Um, So that's clearly a transactional negotiation breakdown that you've provided uh, to us on the rent suspension clauses due to pandemic. Um, George, what is the court's position on including the pandemic rent suspension clauses in a renewal lease then?
2: So, um, going back to a 2021 case, um, Poundland Limited versus Top Lane Limited, the court looked at whether a rent suspension clause should be ordered in a renewal lease. Uh, Here, Poundland wanted a 50% reduction in rent and service charge, where, broadly speaking, they were unable to use the property or open the property for trade due to a lockdown. Again, unsurprisingly, the parties were unable to agree on the principle of that. Um, As is usually always the case, that clause wasn't in the existing lease. So the tenant had the burden of satisfying the court that the inclusion of that clause was fair and reasonable. The court in this instance found that that threshold hadn't been met. Um, So what that would do, um, it would impose a sharing of the risk in circumstances where a landlord had no control over the events. Um, and the court thought that that was going too far. Uh, They also mentioned that the tenant might have some recourse to government reliefs, um, so it did have something to fall back on. Um, So, in that case, it wasn't prepared to say that a rent suspension clause should be included in the new lease.
1: Thank you, George. Is the Poundland case considered to be the current leading authority on the COVID rent suspension provisions? Uh, meaning that the tenants will struggle to convince the court that it is fair and reasonable to include these provisions in a lease renewal unless the landlords agree to them.
2: Yes, although um, it's only a county court decision, so it wouldn't be biding on other courts, but it is useful to see the approach that the courts have taken. Um, and given given what was said in the judgment, I can I, I can anticipate that other courts would likely follow that.
1: Mm -hmm. Thank you.
0: So this concludes part one of our episode on lease renewals under the 1954 Landlord and Tenant Act. Uh, Tune in for part two of this episode when we will be discussing green leases and turnover rents.